Purdue fans, this is Johnny DeCamp bringing you play-by-play -play the Rousey. Everybody, Rousey. along with Ron Kramer, this is Pete Van Weeren welcoming you to ross Aid Stadium. Live from ross Aid Stadium in West Lafayette, Indiana. It's a football Saturday in West Lafayette, Indiana, and one of the biggest home games in decades. Boilermakers rush the field. What a night in West Lafayette. Your Central Indiana Ford dealers are a proud sponsor of Purdue Football in the Raw Sage Greatest Games podcast. Visit your local Central Indiana Ford dealer today. Welcome to the Raw Sage Greatest Games podcast. I'm Corey Palm. He's Tim Newton, the, the voice of Purdue Football, and uh, we are running down several of the greatest games in the history of the stadium as it celebrates its 100th season this year. A uh, couple things before we get started, as always. Uh, We've only got a few weeks left. We cannot possibly cover all the games that we want to on this list, which is unfortunate, Tim, but uh, we're doing our best. So this list, not comprehensive. Um, and one note about today, we've been trying to roll these out chronologically, but uh, we had a chance to talk about the Holy Toledo game with Seth Morales, so we took it. We're, we're deviating a little bit from our chronological... Think of it as a flashback. A flashback. A flashback from our flashbacks. Uh, uh, today we're going back to October... 28th, 2000, Ohio State Buckeyes come to town. And uh, um, Tim, this is our second game from the 2000 season. It's actually our second game from October yeah. of that season, that month. It's hard to, even looking back, it's hard to put into words how important that month was for Purdue football. Travis Dorsch with the field goal to beat Michigan. Then you go up and beat uh, Wisconsin, or was Northwest? Northwestern, Northwestern was next. Was first. Yep. Uh, a fairly easy win. Northwestern shared the Big Ten title that year. They're exactly. very good. Yes. Uh, and then the uh, Wisconsin game where you block a field goal in overtime and win that one. And then that sets up the Ohio State game. But without those three wins, this Ohio State game that we're going to talk about doesn't have nearly as much meaning because at, at this point, Purdue still holds its destiny in its own hands. If it wins out, uh, it wins the Big Ten championship. Now, it turns out didn't win out but still got the championship. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, all those other dominoes had to fall into place to make sure that this game had a lot of meaning. Yeah, yeah, and and. Coming into the game, Ohio State still firmly in that discussion as well. They were six and one. Um, they it it almost set up like an, an elimination game. Whoever wins this game still in the discussion. Whoever loses this game's probably out of the Big Ten title hunt. And uh, just to add to the fuel a little bit, one of the Ohio State linebackers, Joe Cooper, had made <sighs> some statements that week about Bridger Breeze being soft. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, he makes a play later in the game that has a big effect on what we're going to talk about here with Seth Morales in the second half. But uh, everything was set up. You had a national TV audience. You had their their A crew was here and uh, a packed Ross-Aid Stadium looking to see if Purdue can pull off the full sweep of October. And what they saw was a really boring first quarter. <laughs> uh, scoreless first quarter. Steve Ennis scores early in the second quarter. And the Buckeyes tack on a field goal before the half ends. And just like everybody thought, these two high-powered offenses and great defenses, and it's a 7-3 snooze fest at halftime. Well, you look at it, too, as a frustrating day because Purdue was able to move the football, but a lot of turnovers. Yeah. Drew was uncharacteristically off-target for part of that game, although, again, he hit the big pass when he needed. But a lot of turnovers, and it was a back-and-forth game. And, yeah, it was a pitcher's duel really going into the locker room. The Boilermakers got the ball to start the second half, going a long drive, but have to settle for, for three. Uh, Dorsch comes out, kicks a field goal to make it 10-3. Um, then Ohio State got their offense going. Yeah. Got, their, got everything going, actually. The Buckeyes uh, kick a field goal, yep. force a punt. 
go on a long drive, eight plays, 62 yards for a touchdown, and they take the lead. And then they add to it uh, with a special teams touchdown. Nate Clements, who was an outstanding NFL player, mm -hmm. returns a punt for a touchdown, and you're thinking all of a sudden maybe this is not going to be produced here because you're down 10 to Ohio State. And at that point, their defense had started to play a little bit better in the second half. Yep. And now the question is, can, can the Boilermakers score not just once, but at least twice, and then hold Ohio State down? Yeah, 20 to 10 after three. Um, and, and Breeze and the, the Boilermakers open the fourth quarter with an 11-play, 70-yard drive. Uh, he finds Standiford for a five-yard touchdown, and, and now it's, you know, it's, it's 20 to 17. You're, you're chipping away, getting back in the game. You know, we're going to talk a lot about the play at the end of the game, but the play where he threw the touchdown pass to John Stanford was, was vintage Drew Breeze because it was a play where he gets in the pocket, can't find anybody open, does his quarterback drill where he backpedals, but his eyes are constantly down the mm -hmm. field, and he finds Stanford. And again, we were looking at it from the top of the ross press box. It looked to us like the ball was going way out of bounds. And somehow John was able to come down with the football, keep his foot in bounds, and all of a sudden you're within a field goal, and now ross Stadium comes back to life. Exactly. 68,000 people in attendance that game, um, and and – the first half snooze fest, 17 straight Ohio State points, pretty out of it until that drive. Defense comes out, yep. feeding off that energy, forces a three and out. Uh, B.J. Sander, who went on to be a Ray Guy Award winner as yep. the punter for Ohio State, a third-round draft pick by my Green Bay Packers, uh, plays plays up there for a few years. He he drops a 50-yard punt inside the 10. Yep. And uh, you're thinking, okay, it's, it's fourth quarter, we're down three, got to get some points here. Yep the Boilermakers they did they did yeah. uh 90 yard um 90 yard drive they go 11 plays and uh, Drew finds Vinny as as he loved to do for a 19 yard score one thing we knew about Vinny Sutherland he could run yep. and he was able to outrun the Ohio State defenders to the right pylon to score and I remember him kind of flapping his hands in the air as he as he got in the end zone but again now the Boilermakers take the lead and they're able to hold the lead because the defense comes up with another stop. So now all you got to do is run that dreaded four-minute offense. That's it. And you've got your win over the Buckeyes. Four and a half minutes to go. You got the ball. And uh, so four-minute offense, run the ball. You know, you've got a pretty decent run game here. It's, it's, you've, they're putting together a nice year. Um, they pick up four yards on the first two plays. And on third down, third and six, uh, Drew drops back to pass. I'll, I'll let you walk us through that play. <laughs> well, it was a play where, uh, ironically enough, Joe Cooper, the guy who had kind of mouthed off that week about how soft Purdue and how soft Drew Brees was, he comes through clear on a blitz. Yeah. Doesn't get picked up, doesn't get blocked. Drew sees him and tries to throw the ball out of bounds, and he slips as he goes to throw it and just throws a wounded duck to the sideline. And Mr. Doss, Mike Doss, picks it off on the sideline. And Drew said later he was so mad that he threw the interception he made the tackle and he said, I tried to knock myself out. And he just about I did because they, they banged heads inside the five-yard line. So at that point, it's still Purdue has a four-point lead at that point. So if they can hold Ohio State out of the end zone, they can still come out with the uh, with the win. But unfortunately, the Buckeyes then, I think, scored on their third down play. They did. They, they, they took 
And and in taking three plays to get in the end zone from from a couple time. years out, it took time off yeah, the clock. Yeah. So it was one of those situations where you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah. Maybe the best thing analytically is to just let Mike Doff score and save yourself some time. But there's no competitor yeah. in the history of college football who's going to choose to do that. Now I'm trying to think of how you would uh, talk Brock's back into letting his defense <laughs> let a team score a touchdown to take the lead with two minutes left. I think you'd take an army of people to do that. Yeah. And, and they did stop him on the first two plays. And it looked like on the third down play they were going to stop him too. But uh, the ball carrier just bounced his way to the outside. And, and now all of a sudden you're down, down by, by three. three. Down by three, uh, just under two minutes to go. It's funny. We've we've told you this entire story, and, and here's where it gets good. Yeah. Because uh, – The best part's coming. The best part's coming. Uh, uh, there's the legendary story of Drew going to the sideline and very upset with himself, like yeah. you said. And – Ike Moore comes over and and has that conversation with Drew and and I've heard both of them tell this story and and that, I mean it happened he 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 walks up to Drew and says what did your mom always tell you at home if you break it fix it yep and uh, that's exactly what Drew did after throwing the interception Chris Clopton comes up good kickoff return so they get the ball around the 35 yard line and uh, after an incomplete pass it brings up the play that probably is the most famous play in Purdue football history. I think the deep offense has the advantage because of the pressure, but after you've thrown four interceptions like this, I gotta believe Drew Brees is feeling it right now. Second down and ten. <laughs> Offensive line continues okay. to do a great job. Wide open! Got him! Touchdown Purdue! Seth Morales! Holy Toledo! Drops back, goes through his progressions, sees the safety bite on a cross from A.T. Simpson. Right. Coming across the middle, Doss cheats in a little bit, anticipating that's where the ball's going. And uh, uh, Drew sees late, it, it, he sees his fourth progression. Seth Morales, who comes uh, open, he, he had his man beat, and 64 yards later, he is standing in the end zone. Um, the Boilermakers back on top. Seth Morales, uh, and we'll hear his view of that play, but uh, I can tell you that it's a play that no matter where you are, no matter how long you've been a Boilermaker fan, you'll know exactly what you were doing at that moment, uh, what the elation was. But having said that, there was still time left. And Ohio State, if they score a touchdown and go down the field, they're going to ruin our Hollywood story. Kind of an anticlimactic ending. Yeah. The game ended, basically. Ohio State was running a play with a player coming in motion. The center snaps the ball early. It hits the player who's in motion. Purdue falls on the fumble, ball game over. You know, I've watched that play over and over again. Just We have access to the archival footage and, and going back, doing doing research for various things. It's it, That's such a bizarre play. You're right. It's so strange. And the, Steve Belisari, the, the Ohio State quarterback, was almost just like he froze, yeah. didn't know what to do. He was probably the only Buckeye who had a chance to cover that ball. And he's just like, what just happened and then it was too late. Safe to say a little bit different execution in the team's two-minute offense. <laughs> yeah. Down in two plays and takes the lead and Ohio State can't snap the ball to their quarterback. Mm -hmm. And so, and then it was uh, another uh, of the field rushes that season in 2000. I think we had three that year, Michigan, Ohio State, and Indiana. So uh, the fans rushed the field. Boilermakers beat, win the game. Now they lost after that at Michigan State and yep. needed some help to be able to get the destiny back in their own hands, which they got. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Purdue beats Indiana to, to go to the Rose Bowl that year. Uh, on the day, 
Drew, like you said, four interceptions, three touchdowns, 455 yes. yards. Yeah. It was kind of uh, a little bit of everything for, for the legend. And, you know, he makes a catastrophic error and then makes up for it in the best way possible. I think the one thing we saw about Drew Brees, not only during his Purdue career, but also his professional career, he had a short memory. Yeah. Um, and he was a guy, he was a gunslinger. He had that kind of mentality. He wasn't afraid to try to fit the ball into some tight spots. And once in a while, you're going to throw it to the wrong color jersey when you do that. But the one thing about him, his confidence never wavered. And for him to make that play and going through to the fourth progression on a play that basically sends your team to the Rose Bowl shows how cool and calm he was under pressure. Absolutely. Um, You said a key word there at the end, under pressure. He had time to get through his fourth progression. Yes, yes. He had time and enough enough confidence still in the protection that – he didn't have to tuck it or throw it away. That offensive line was, it was unbelievable. Yeah, I've been here. This is my 45th or so year at Purdue. I've never seen an offensive line that had that much talent. And there were games, not only did Drew not get sacked, he didn't get touched yeah. and didn't get pressured an entire game. And so they took a lot of pride in that. And Drew Brees is a phenomenal player, but one of the reasons he was a phenomenal player here is he had phenomenal blockers in front of him. Purdue shared the Big Ten title with Northwestern and Michigan, as it turned out. Uh, the Boilermakers had head-to-head wins against both of right. them. Um, so Rose Bowl representative. That year in the Big Ten was wild. Now, this is, this is a while ago. There were mm-hmm. only 11 teams in the Big Ten, uh, which plenty of people back then made fun of. All those were the days. Those were the days, right? Um, five of those teams will finish with eight or nine wins. Yeah. Uh, and this was a, a time where there was no championship game. To pad your schedule with another win, uh, there was only eleven games in the regular season to add more wins. Like it was, it was not top heavy. It was not. It, that was a very good year in the yeah, Big Ten. It was very talented teams, three worthy champions who shared the conference championship. And again, because as you mentioned, because Purdue beat Michigan uh, and beat Northwestern in the head-to-head matchups, they were able to go to the Rose Bowl that year. And. Uh, Part of the reason, Seth Morales. Uh, we're going to we're going to step aside for a, a brief moment, and uh, the man will join us when we come back. Your Central Indiana Ford dealers are a proud sponsor of Purdue football. Visit your local Central Indiana Ford dealer today. We are joined now by Seth Morales. Uh, I mean. Let's start where everybody wants to start, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it, we're talking about the Ohio State game from 2000. We'll, we'll span the career and, and everything you've done yeah. since then, but uh, the the Holy Toledo play. The game. The game. Yeah. The game and the catch, and, and uh, here you are. Hard to believe a quarter of a century later still oh, talking man. about it. It's wild. It is. Uh, just, uh, you know, the way that game played out and, and the way, you know, sort of the roller coaster of the fourth quarter, third and fourth quarters. Yeah. Um, you're coming onto the field. Yeah. Two minutes to go, trailing. Yeah. What Walk us through that. I mean, it's two-minute offense, and Drew had just thrown that interception. And so you're kind of like, oh, crap. Like, we got we – got, Clopton makes a, a good uh, kick return, so he gets us into a good field position. But you're kind of gassed out. Um, I think Vinny in that game had to get an IV. He had he had, had so much – um activity he had a lot of plays played but you're gassed you don't know the two-minute offense it's not the best um you're just you're running these routes and you just got to perform really quickly and get back into the huddle so you're gassed already but my thought was all right 
let's make a play. Let's get let's get this thing interesting. And the first play of that two minute offense, Drew throws a pass to me, and it's knocked down by the All American uh, defensive back Nate Clements. So mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, this sucked. Um, and then he calls, yeah, take two. And he calls twins, right? 74 XC pole. And, um, I'm, I'm usually the, the fourth option on that. I'm running a skinny post, but I was in that offense and on that team for a reason. I was really consistent and I didn't gas out and I had decent hands and that's why I made the team. And that's why I played. And so I ran my route, you know, it was just one of those fortunate situations where drew you know, has a phenomenal line that holds up. Mm-hmm. He's got all day, and then he runs through his progression. But, you know, it's just one of those plays where that 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 never happened. I never got a skinny post pass to me. He would always go to his first, second, or third option, or he'd probably throw it away or run out of bounds. So, thankfully, that, that worked out. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever had a dream where you didn't catch the pass? Oh, my gosh. No, I haven't. That, I, mean, that would be, I just planted that. That would be a nightmare. Um, <laughs> I do think about every once in a while, like, what would life be? Yeah. Like, what would life be if I dropped that? Like, that would, like, I would be in, like, it would be infamous. All-time goat. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I mean, and, really. And not the good kind of goat. No. no. <laughs> like, I, I think about that. And I, had, I think I had a teammate that season earlier, Chris James. He had had a couple of passes where he dropped earlier in the season against Kent State. And it just, like, it really messed with his mindset. Yeah. And so, um you know, people rise and fall all the time in, in this sport, but um, I'm just grateful it worked out. Right, right time, right place. Great quarterback. Yeah. And I almost fell, like I stumbled a couple, yeah. couple yards. Um, but it was. I'm just grateful for the opportunity. I'm sure everybody has told you where they were, what they were wearing, what they were yeah. eating. <laughs> so yeah. I'm going to do that. Yeah. We're up in now. This is the old press box at Ross H. So you had the booth that was on top of of the basically the press box, and it was a low ceiling. And I saw the play start, and I saw Drew go back, and as he winds up to heave it, I look, and I see you've beaten your guy by two or three yards. Yeah. You are wide open. Yeah. I thought immediately he had thrown the ball five yards over your head. Oh, really? I thought he yeah. had overthrown you by a mile. And yeah. I thought there is no way, and I immediately, I'm thinking, how are we going to come at And it was like, it was almost like you were shot from a cannon. Yeah. And, and you wound up, the ball was right there. Could you tell right away the pass was where it was supposed to be? Um. Yeah, I mean, Drew was pretty accurate. Um, <laughs> yeah. Skinny post, I, I did have to kind of speed it up. I think when you're running those routes, sometimes you're three-quarter speed because you know you're probably not going to get it. So you get back in the huddle for the next play. But I saw that come off his his hand. I saw AT run that crossing route. I was like, oh, shit, I got I to gotta pick up the pace. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think to his credit, he's a very accurate guy. I ran underneath it, made the play. But, man, that was a – one of those moments where after you catch it, you stumble a little bit. I was looking either side. I was like, hey, mm-hmm. is there any way to catch me after that? Uh, I just couldn't believe how wide open I was. Yeah. And so now I look back. It's like, all right. So you had a busted coverage, and that worked out for that safety to bite like Mike Doss did. So it was just like the stars aligned. Yeah. And, uh, you know, fourth option walk-on uh, makes the play. So. And become a legend in the yeah, process. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny you brought that up, Tim, because talking with – we interviewed Drew some years ago about this exact yep. play, and his first thought when he released the ball was, oh, shit, I overthrew him. Yeah. Because he, he, he felt the same thing that you saw. as like, yeah. oh, man, and it's a good thing it was Seth on the other end with, with the speed and the hands. Yeah. Run right under it. Yeah. Um, 
the elation in the moment, the celebration on the field was was fantastic. The celebration over on the sideline was great. Yeah. Uh, at what point did you see and slash hear the 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 play back? Was it later that night? Did you did oh, you man. was it film the next it, week? It, it was. Um, there were a couple moments. Uh, it didn't it didn't register at first. I knew the play was significant. I knew it it clinched. Uh, for the most part, the game if mm-hmm. we held up on defense. But it was later that night, uh, we had a Halloween party, and you went out and celebrated. And some of the just the attaboys that you got from people um, was a little bit more, um, it was just in, in, in large amounts. So that was great. But then it was the next day, uh, Kevin Sumlin was our wide receiver coach. Yep. And he, he came up to me in the locker room, and he had the Indy Star, and I was on the front page of the sports. And he just smacked me over the head, and he was just elated. And I was like, "He's really happy. This is a pretty significant play. This, yeah, this was a pretty big deal." And then, you know, as you get older, you start to realize even more and more. But it was those—I think those moments—the Halloween party, and then I think Coach Sumlin, seeing how giddy he was, I think that <laughs> shot him into another role. I think at Oklahoma, where he stepped up, so it was a launching pad for I think yeah. a lot of. Yeah. Um, other coaches, so it was a it was a pretty big deal those first two days out on oh, that. Okay, Seth, the fact that that play happened, the fact that you were here in the first place, that yeah. really wasn't supposed to happen either. No, uh, my broadcast partner Pete Quinn had a little bit to do with that, but you had a lot to do with it. Talk about how you wound up going from starting your career at Butler, yep, to now walking on at a Big Ten university. Yeah, that's a good call out. I, I owe Pete Quinn a lot. Um, I was at Butler. I was under recruited didn't have any full scholarship offers and so I played that first year had success started as a freshman led the team in receiving in touchdowns but I just wasn't satisfied and I watched that Alamo Bowl game against Kansas State and it was a great game yeah, it was it was a New Year's game I was with my buddies and I saw that and I was like there were some drops um I don't want to call out who, <laughs> who had some drops but I was like you know what I can catch those passes I want to transfer and at that time I had a little brother who was playing uh, CYO football in Indianapolis, and he happened to know um, his coach was Pete Quinn, and Pete had a Purdue connection. I told my parents, I was like, hey, I either want to go to Purdue. At the time, I liked Georgia for whatever reason. I thought I could maybe play for the Bulldogs down there. And uh, my dad was like, hey, uh, let's take your tape and give it to Pete and see what he can do. And Pete really kind of opened the door for me, gave it to uh, the walk-ons coach, Greg Olson, and – the rest is history. I mean, I was invited to walk on, not a real big deal, but from that season, um, I remember Coach Sumlin telling me if I was eligible to play, I would have started as a true sophomore, mm-hmm. uh, but I had to sit out that season. And so that was kind of the juice that got me, yeah. you know, to stay and stick with it. But um, it was really kind of just the telling my coach at Butler that I was going to transfer and then him telling me that I was making a huge mistake oh, and that man. I'd never play. Until like my fifth year, that was like motivation and bulletin board material for me. And then Pete opening the door and then just kind of proving it out is a, I'm just grateful for that. And I think that's transferred into life in a lot of different ways too. Now you can solve an urban legend. Maybe it isn't an urban legend. Did Joe Tiller try to talk you out of it? He wasn't a big fan of transfers and uh, Joe, man, he was tough, man. I, I had, I, I was the newcomer of the year in spring ball. And I went into his office like, Coach, I'd love a full scholarship. And he was like, No, you got to earn it. He's like, You got to wait to the fall. 
And like that, I was and and I had Coach Sumlin telling me like you're our starting receiver yeah. if you're eligible, and so Tiller was tough and he didn't like transfers and he liked people who kind of do it the traditional way and I appreciated that. I think that motivated me to stay hungry and um, you know the rest is history. But like I I look back at those moments and I'm like man I was he was actually that was not cool but I'm grateful <laughs> for those those like hard knocks those really like. That matters, and I'm grateful for that. That's such a great lesson. It, you know, everyone, it's not just in athletics. You face adversity. Yeah. You always face people who tell you you can't, people who tell you shouldn't, and and there's two ways you can go. You can yeah. listen to them, or you can try and prove them wrong. That's, yep. that's such a great lesson. Yeah. It was, it was a great lesson, and it carries over into business today and life and how I try to coach and lead our team at, at Morales Group and the business I work at. So. Yeah, I'm grateful for those those opportunities that I had. I think some some tough old school coaches that made you earn it the right way. Yeah. Those 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 life lessons definitely apply today. Yeah, one misconception that I'd like to correct too. Seth Morales was not a one hit wonder. Oh no. Oh yeah. Um, and talk about that play earlier in that same season against Wisconsin because yeah. uh, you go up to the to, to Madison. Uh, back and forth game. They had just taken the lead in the third quarter. Yeah. You catch a 78 yard touchdown yeah. pass. Was it same play, or do you remember what? No, play it, was, was? it was a different play, but it's similar concept. Their their safety, Jason During uh, or Doring, he would always he was a, he was not a great cover safety, and he was great at tackling. And Vinny ran a crossing route. He bit on that. Cheney was a great like play caller. Yeah, he had a great OC at the time, and Drew pumped it. And then he it, he's got great line protection as always, and he throws it over the top. I make the catch if if you if you don't. It, if you watch that in slow motion, Jamar Fletcher, All American, All Big Ten cornerback, who who gave Drew some some challenges yes, earlier, mm-hmm. almost intercepted it. Like I catch it and he he comes swoop, swooping by. So yeah, big play. I think that set us up for kind of that tie ball game to go into overtime. But um, yeah, I was one of those guys that I was either going to be a third or fourth option for Drew, and I was a little bit of a a, a long ball hitter. I had a couple of catches earlier in the season where whether it was Minnesota or Kent State or, you know, I had some deep balls. So Drew was really good at, you know, reading his progressions and and following and accurate. But that was a big play. I was grateful because that was my 21st birthday. So went go. out and wow. celebrated uh, after uh, that. That was a great just time. Just a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. So that was that was kind of the first, you know, not the one-hit wonder, just Ohio State. Had a had another touchdown that season and um, went on to make a few other catches, but I was grateful mm-hmm. for that game. Yeah. What was that – You've mentioned a couple of times the you know the offensive line with great protection is always that that collection of talent was as good as any offensive line uh, Purdue's ever had. Yeah. Uh, you know, Drew is Drew, Vinny, Vinny, Tim yeah. Stratton, and yep. you know, just that collection of guys to be around that group yeah. every day. What was that like? That oh season? man, um, it was special. You didn't, and you didn't realize it. Uh, you didn't realize it now until you look back. You're like, oh, there's all Big Ten, these are all Americans, these are guys that are having long-term NFL careers like Matt Light, yeah. mm-hmm. Super Bowl champion with the, the Patriots. Who came here as an undersized tight end. <laughs> right? yeah, they, they, they did a good job at molding different players into other positions. Um, yeah, I look back and that era was really special. I remember Sports Illustrated did an article on Stanford, Vinny, Stratton, myself, and Drew, and kind of that that group and then you kind of recognize hey there's something different mm-hmm. this is this is special but that line man they don't get enough credit 
I, I think about that. All I think four of the five guys played in the NFL. They all all played. Yeah, all they all played, played in the, and yeah. all played in the Super Bowl game. So just phenomenal line. I mean, Stratton, you know, tight end of the year. Uh, Mackey, a winner. You know, so there was just Montreal was great. I think I was probably the worst player with starting <laughs> eleven. And and you know what? I'm grateful for that. It's like I tell people that all the time. Like, hey, you want to be the best player. Um, at times, but like you want to surround yourself with even better players, and that was definitely that 2000 season. Going from your couch watching the Alamo Bowl to stepping on the field in the Rose Bowl, yeah. Uh, what was that feeling like that day? You didn't win the game, yeah. But it's still, in a memory that none of us will forget. I mean, Pasadena, four o'clock, nobody else is playing. Um, I was I was the most nervous I've ever been in a game. Hmm. I couldn't shake the nerves until maybe like midway through the first quarter. Um, the, the flyover, just the Pasadena tradition, um, you know, just the pageantry that comes around with it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It was just, it was one of those things where you're really grateful to be in that moment. Um, Washington was a really good team. Mm -hmm. They had a great defense. Mm -hmm. They had a good scheme against us that game. But, um, I was just tickled to death that, you know, going from the Butler bowl to <laughs> the, the Rose, Rose bowl. bowl. Um, yeah. And then. You know, I made a few plays. I had a few catches that game. I didn't, like, break out or do anything significant. But just to have that moment, to have your family come out and support you, to be um, in L.A., you know, there's some cool things that we did, you know, after hours, just seeing some of the stars and, and being with the team. So the Jay Leno show, it was a wonderful, you know, you know once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. So I was grateful for that. Uh, you wear it on your chest now, Morales yep. Group. Talk right. about the company yep. that your your dad uh, yep. started. Yeah. Father founded. Uh, there were two Purdue Sigma Chi's who were engineers. One was my father. The other was uh, the co-founder, John Taylor. They started the business right as um, I was finishing up here at Purdue. Okay. And I jumped on board about a year into the company started. I was employee number five. And we, we do recruiting and staffing. So just like you know football recruiting, we recruit people for for jobs and we built that business up over the last 20 years i worked alongside my father and it's been a labor of love it's been uh, a cool opportunity to apply some of my underdog gritty kind of um i think tangibles to the the world of business we've built the business in a pretty sizable way where we exceeded over um sales over annually of over 100 million so that was um quite a bit we have several thousand employees so um, and we use it as a uh, kind of a platform to do good. So there's kind of a, a cause disguised as a business, and then you have the business side, and you kind of have this legacy now. So I got my two little guys up here with me to to talk to them. We just visited our Lafayette branch office. So um, it's been fun. It's been a labor of love, and I'm I'm grateful for the opportunity. That's awesome. Uh, how how difficult was it for you, if if at all, to to go to you went to Notre Dame for, for your yeah, NBA. Yeah, was, that, was that hard? That. It was, you know, because um, first of all, Pete was really, uh. Quinn was like devastated that I did that. He's like, you're a traitor. <laughs> um, so I got, so a couple quick thoughts there. My wife got accepted into the NBA program at Notre Dame before I did. Okay. And I was like, hey, you're not going to grad school without me. <laughs> I was really competitive. And at the same time, I had a really, really terrible game against Notre Dame my senior year. Orton's the quarterback. We lose up there. I drop a pass late in the fourth quarter. 
they pick it off. They they go and score a touchdown. And my senior year, Ray Williams comes in, mm-hmm. and I split time with Ray, and I just kind of lose my mindset. And so I felt like I had some like unfinished business up in South Bend. So that was kind of the reason why yeah. I, I went up there. I felt like they, a they have a great brand, good yeah. NBA program. Probably could have gone to Purdue as well, but um, I trailed my wife, and I was competitive. So. I'm, but it was a great experience, and uh, blame her. I like it. Blame her, right. but still cheer. <laughs> and, and, and we still love you. It's yeah, okay. yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah. When people say Seth Morales forever in Purdue history, it's yeah. going to tie back to one play yep. in Ross State Stadium. We've talked about the fact that you are much more than that. But are you yep. okay? If that's all yeah, you remember, absolutely, before? absolutely. I mean, think about it. Like, um, I was doing a talk to um, a graduating class, Purdue Polytech High School, and I was talking to him about. Um, being kind of that gritty underdog, that story. Mm-hmm. And that resonated with them. But I told them, I was like, hey, I came across this article in Bleacher Report, top like 100 or top 50 all-time college football plays. And our play that drew Brees to me was ranked 11th. What? So I don't know, give it credibility or not, but yeah. shoot, hmm. to be um, a part of, I think, a rich program and to be, I think, in a golden era of football for Purdue – and to play that part, I was one part of the like puzzle. I'm I'm tickled to death. I, I felt like I over-indexed when I got here and did what I did. So I don't know. It's just I, I just just a ton of gratitude, and I'll take it. I, I'll I'll be a one-hit wonder any day of the week with that catch. I think it's it's pretty. Um, it it it's opened a lot of doors and helped my career afterwards. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, I mean, who could ask for more than being remembered for? You know, something that gives everybody joy, right? Yes. That's fantastic. Seth, it's been great having you back talking about this game. Um, You know, Purdue football's done a lot for you, but I think Seth Morales has done a lot for Purdue and Purdue football, and you continue to do a lot for the state of Indiana and the surrounding region. We really appreciate it. Yeah, Boiler Up, thanks for having me, guys, and uh, we'll get a win here soon. Let's go. All right.